Now, now, we don't believe in gender around here. This town, Babe Town, is a radical gay utopia, and you better get used to it. Babe Town! <laughs> And welcome back once more to Summer Twilight Book Club, the podcast where your two best friends use their very expensive master's degrees for what was clearly their intended purpose, analyzing the four horniest books of our teenagers while teaching you all about healthy relationships and probably also deeply embarrassing ourselves in the process. I'm Sahana. And I am Kat. Now, as you all may have heard, we launched our Patreon last week, so you can find us at... Patreon.com slash STBC podcast, which for the record is also our Twitter handle. And if you're not following us on Twitter, what are you doing? Um, There are five tiers on our Patreon, ranging from $2 a month to $15 a month. And they'll come with a lot of great content. Um, For instance, if you caught last week's episode, you'll know that we're doing a bunch of bonus episodes where we read crossover fanfiction, which is truly fucking wild. Um, And that is available to you at the $5 tier. Or if you pay us $1 more a month um, for $6, you can also vote on what crossover fanfiction we do next, um, which is probably very exciting for you and terrifying to us because who's to say what we could end up reading next. Um, So if you join now, you can vote in the poll to tell us what to read for next month's episode. Um, right now, the choices are between Inuyasha, which is something that I have no understanding or context for. I think it's anime and there are dogs. Um, <laughs> that's all I know. Um, the other option is Pirates of the Caribbean. There's also an Avatar The Last Airbender option, a Pretty Little Liars option. Currently, oh, and there's also, only one vote. When I was oh. looking, one of them that I almost chose was also by Tiger Cat. So Tiger Cat is just out there liking exclusively the bad content that we like. Yeah, I think it was a Pretty I, Little know, Liars one. It was very funny. Good. Honestly, I hope somehow Tiger Cat uh, finds this podcast. I would Me love too. their input. Um, so, <laughs> yes, the other one was the Pretty Little Liars one. Um, like we were saying, right now there's only one vote, and it's for Pirates of the Caribbean, um, which is fitting because my fun fact for all of you about myself um, is that I am the original author of the Wikipedia article for Elizabeth Swan. I did not, um, wait, what? Yes, I am the original author for the Wikipedia article for Elizabeth Swan, the character played by Kira Knightley in Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I did not know this. I can't believe we've never talked about this before. Um, yeah, that's my internet claim to fame. Um, anyway, that's better than so, mine. You know what, what mine is. I do know, I, I feel like we've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, yeah, it's rough. Which is to say... That if you join our Patreon now, there's a pretty high chance that you will get the option that you most want us to read fanfiction of. And let me tell you, these stories are fucking wild. So yeah, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. So we already have a couple of people who have joined at the higher tiers who we love absolutely forever and always. And uh, so big shout out to the absolutely beautiful and gorgeous humans who are Chris Hutton at Topher Disgrace on Twitter and Riley Hopkins at Rev Rybread. I for a second realized that they might not want me saying their last names, but then I realized that both of them have their last names on their Twitter, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but if you uh, join us as a 10 or $15 tier, I will not say your last name unless you want me to. Um, but yes, so thank you to those two uh, people who I saw both of actually this weekend. Um, 
in becoming patrons of this, our Humble Twilight podcast. Uh, yeah, so our first Patreon goal is to print stickers that we will send to you. And who the fuck doesn't love stickers? So yeah, join so in on join Patreon us. and you can get stickers with our beautiful faces on them. But now we'll stop advertising to you because, you know, we can only we can only uh, be capitalists for so long. Um, and we're just going to go back to our regular free uh, Twilight content. So it's been a little while since we did a normal episode. So I understand if you've all promptly forgotten what it has happened in the series so far. We'd love to forget, but it is embedded in our brains for all eternity now like a curse. Um, but as you may need a reminder, here we go. Okay, so the first book is called Twilight. I know that none of you knew that. Um, and which introduces us to a 17-year-old girl named Bella who is moving to Forks, Washington to live with her dad. Upon moving to Fork, she discovers that the town is not only full of rain and boys who are inexplicably uh, in love with her, but it also houses a coven of vegan vampires, one of whom is Edward Cullen. Uh, Edward is a perpetually 17-year-old vampire who only eats animals but thirsts real hard for Bella's blood. So they develop a toxic relationship, as one might expect, between a 17-year-old human and a 104-year-old vampire, but for the most part, nothing really happens until a fateful... Fateful, a fateful baseball game, a fateful <laughs> baseball game in the woods when non-vegan vampires show up. These asshole carnivores are ready to chomp down on some sweet belly meat when Edward freaks the fuck out, thus sealing Bella's fate as a vampire target. There's a bunch of convoluted stuff uh, that happens, and Bella ends up getting pretty fucked up. Uh, the vampire tracker named uh, James gets destroyed, and Bella is forced to go to prom with cast uh, on her leg. And they call this a love story. Yeah, seems legitimate. So the second book in the series, which is where we're at now, is called New Moon. We have previously covered nine chapters of it. The quick and dirty version here is that Bella turns 18, has a fit. Edward realizes that he has pretty much totally endangered her life and lives uh, and the lives of his family. Um, or maybe he's just like bored of this human and him and his family. Either way, just get the fuck out of Dodge. So Bella reacts to this by entering a several long a month-long dissociative episode uh, that ends when she hits up some strangers outside of a bar, you know? Uh, she then finds some spare motorcycles on the side of the road, uh, calls up the only person eager and distant enough uh, from her regular life to still want to be friends with her, Jacob Black, a boy from the local reservation, uh, who is also the son of her father's best friend, Billy, and gets him to agree to fix up the motorcycles and teach her how to ride. Except that Bella, of course, isn't really interested in learning how to ride. She's only interested in learning how to crash because she is high-key turned on by car crash fetishes. And oh yeah, did I mention that she hallucinates the voice of her vampire ex-boyfriend whenever she gets into trouble? No maladaptive coping mechanisms here. Damn, way to bury the lead, man. I know. (laughs) So meanwhile, there is trouble uh, in town because hikers keep just disappearing in the woods, which Bella is not concerned about at all concerned uh and there had been just like a ton of bear sightings of a massive bear so despite this uh bella and jacob also just keep wandering into the woods on a regular basis trying to find a meadow that edward had once taken bella to because bella is a glutton for punishment to be clear bella does not tell jacob that that's what they're doing she's just like let's go hiking yeah and jacob's just a fucking little dumb bitch anyways so Jacob starts to sense that Bella only really cares about one thing, um, and to appease him, she invites him to the movies, kind of, um, and the movies, uh, Jacob just sort of hits on Bella a lot, this dude Mike just, like, bombs everywhere, and then Bella and Jacob both get sick too, 
But Bella and Michael get better just a day or so later, but Jacob is still sick and acts very mysterious, not telling her um, what's going on and telling her just not to come down to the reservation to see him and to wait until he calls. Don't call him. And that brings us to chapter 10, I would say. Would you? Yeah, I think good so. Enough? I think you did a really good job summarizing what has so far been a truly wild ride. I think the only other thing I need to make clear, just because it's going to become relevant in this part, so the three vampires who showed up at that baseball game were James, Laurent, and Victoria. James was the one who tried to kill Bella. Victoria was uh, his friend who was also trying to help him kill Bella. His mate. His mate. Victoria was James's mate. Mate, okay. I don't know why in my head that didn't really, like, I was just thinking mate, like, oh, they're they're mates. They're mates. (laughs) Nah, vampire fucking. Okay. And then Laurent, who just kind of was like, I don't really want to be a part of this. And then just, like, fucked off to Alaska. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to go check out your other vegan friends. Like, uh, I'll see you later. This seems like a lot. So anyways, this chapter starts with Bella being very concerned. um, Because Bella uh, is uh, upset because she still hasn't heard back from Jacob. So Bella, with absolutely no chill at all, is calling all the time and even calls like the hospital to see if Jacob has been there, which for some reason, they give her the information that he has not. Does it count as a HIPAA violation if he like isn't a patient? I still think like, okay, so this I have the same question. I wrote the same thing in my notes. So I was like, does HIPAA just not exist in um, the Pacific And I looked it up. HIPAA because... exists since 1996. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Because, so the way that confidentiality works where I work, and we're not under HIPAA because we're not a healthcare center, but still, like, we can't, anytime somebody asks us whether or not, like, someone is a client, the only thing that we're allowed to say is I can neither confirm nor deny that anybody on campus is involved with CAPS. Like, I think that's what you have to say for HIPAA. If I remember my HIPAA training correctly from what I work at the clinic, like, you can't, you say I can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah, I can't really remember. I feel like we just said something like, we cannot talk about like anyone here like we can't answer any questions about anyone like yeah for (laughs) anyways um but i i feel like that's also one of those things that people break all the time i mean hipaa in general but i mean like that stuff i feel like people will tell i've heard people just like someone just be like oh i'm related to them they'll just be like oh well yeah they were here earlier like i i've seen i've witnessed that so much so my thought when i was reading this was that um Twilight must exist in the same universe as Grey's Anatomy because they're both in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, they both happen in the state of Washington and nobody cares about HIPAA and Grey's Anatomy. So maybe these things just both exist in a world where HIPAA doesn't matter. My actual sincere thought process was that HIPAA probably gets violated a lot more in really small communities than it yeah. does in larger ones. That is actually a very logical train of thought. That was my actual thought was it's like, oh, it's Bella calling about her friend. We'll let her know. Yeah. And that probably was like, oh, it's the chief's daughter. You know? Yeah. She has clout. That was my honest thought. So anyways, uh, Bella's so worried about Jacob uh, now that she's like, I don't know what the fuck's happening, um, that she makes Charlie call Harry Clearwater to check on him because they haven't been answering their phone. And Harry says that there have been issues with the phone lines, which confused me because didn't he call Billy to find out? He's like, one yes. second, let me call Billy. And he's like, oh, there's trouble with the phone lines. They actually only work inner uh, reservation. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And no. 
fucking amount. But anyways, though, he's like, yeah, Jacob's fine. He just has mono and he can't have any visitors. And so Charlie tells basi- uh, tells Bella to basically just, like, leave it to the fuck alone. Um, which I found a bit frustrating from a parental and sheriff standpoint, to be honest. Because, okay, I know that Billy's his friend. But if you find out that, like, a kid gets sick, he hasn't been taken to the hospital. No one is allowed to see him. Some shit, like, a bunch of shit that doesn't make sense. Just, like, and no one's allowed to see him. The phone lines are mysteriously down. Okay, this exact I don't actually think that that's, I, you know I don't raise, think that that's and this is, like, that weird. I, don't, I genuinely don't think that that's that weird because, like, we know that uh, infrastructure on reservations is terrible because the U.S. government is the worst. Um, so it's not unlikely that phone lines were down or that it's, like, difficult for them to access a hospital. And, like, I feel like okay, that would if be somebody's true. kid, so Billy's, Billy's a single parent and also has a disability. And so I can imagine that, like, if Jacob were genuinely, like, very, very sick with something like mono, which, like, is extraordinarily contagious and also, like, takes a really long time to recover from, that, like, it probably would be really stressful and they might not want any, like, visitors or contact. Have you had mono? Yes. I had mono for, like, several months. I had mono also. Yeah. Yeah, it was the worst. Um, I didn't even know I had it because I had narcolepsy that was undiagnosed, so I was was the same fucking shit. Yeah, it was a summer when I think, I think I was in, like, middle school or high school. I had it when Um, I was on swim team. No. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I, like, I don't think that it's that weird, because I've also been in a situation, I mean, not something quite this extreme, but, like, I've definitely been in situations where my mom is, like, stop bothering them, they're probably really stressed out. Yeah, I guess I just found it strange, because he knows Billy, and this is all super out of character. I guess, yeah, I guess, like, maybe in context. Like, you're talking about it like it's a stranger, like, oh, they might have, but, like, Charlie knows that he has access to the hospital, knows that this, like, their phone lines never go, like, it's not like something that seems normal, knows that all this is, like, weird, and doesn't seem even, like, and I don't mean, I don't mean, like, he needs to, like, go investigate, but he doesn't find it, like, strange at all, like, I find that weird. Yeah, I guess it would be different if he was, like, yeah, that's weird, and I'm kind of worried about them, too, but, like, I'm sure it's fine, Billy's a good dad, whatever, like, he's just, like, I guess he, yeah, I guess he's not as concerned as I, as I imagine he might be. Like, I just find it weird that he doesn't find it, like... It doesn't, like, ring any alarm bells. Like, nothing is weird about it to him. Like, I guess, like, that's when just weird When does Stephanie me. Meyer's characterization of anyone make sense? And also, right. I found it annoying from a parental standpoint, because he's like, just fuck off, Bella. It's fine. And it's like, no, that's a bunch of weird shit you just said. And also, you just confirmed that he's her friend is really sick, so, like, why would she not be concerned? Um. Anyways, Bella's like, okay, I'm suspicious. I'll give it a week. A week is enough time to leave someone alone, which personally I agree with. If you're not letting some, your kids see someone for more than a week uh, for something that, like, lasts months, like, and you're not going to let anyone see or talk to him, that seems weird yeah, to me. Yeah, that sucks. Um, but anyways, though, so she can't figure out why she's suspicious. And I have to say, as I was just saying, that Bella, maybe it's because the story makes absolutely no sense. So with her suspicions in tow, Bella does what Bella does and turns her favorite search engine to look up the symptoms of mono. As suspected, the symptoms don't match up at all. And she decides that she'll give it, that's when she decides, actually, that she'll give it a week. Um, Yeah, and I, I just, I love this description of Bella, like, 
Googling, I'm sorry, uh, using her favorite search engine, AltaVista, uh, to look <laughs> up the symptoms that Jacob's experiencing. Like, I just imagine her typing them into WebMD and getting, like, probable diagnoses. Mononucleosis. Tuberculosis. Black plague. Brain tumor. Werewolf. <laughs> like, so, after, what do you think is happening, Bella? I love it. So, after a week passes, uh, Bella is determined to see Jacob. And so, not of course, though, because she really cares about his health or well-being, but because she's lonely as fuck and literally cannot handle a single week without Jacob. So, uh, let me turn my vibrate off real quick, because Christopher is uh, intoxicated with his family. Um, I saw his uh, picture on Twitter of the, like, Shrek outhouse. Yeah, really good. At Topher Disgrace, look at his Shrek outhouse. Um, Anyways, um... So, yeah, she just can't handle, like, a single single moment without Jacob, so she doesn't actually give a fuck. But, so Bella calls, and Billy tells her that Jacob didn't have mono after all, and that Jacob is going to Port Angeles. And I found this part so annoying. Um, I don't understand why Billy is such a bad liar. Like, Bella has been calling incessantly, and Billy is trying to play it off as totally normal that Jacob, someone she saw every single day, would not call her to let her know that he's feeling better. Or at least that Billy would not have called to let Charlie know, if for no other reason than so Bella would stop calling. Yeah, it's- I don't- I I really don't understand why Billy thinks that this is gonna work. Like, it's so clearly a lie. Like, it would be easier for him to just be like, Jacob doesn't want to talk to you. Like, I don't know why he yeah, thinks that this is Yeah, anything would be better well. than just being like, uh, don't call here again. Like, <laughs> that's not suspicious at all. But of course, Bella's self-esteem slash self-perception is so low that she easily buys that excuse uh, that Jacob, her literal puppy dog, doesn't care enough to call uh, call her or miss her. Yeah, and it, it really, it makes sense that Bella is totally crushed by this. Like, I really can empathize with her in this moment, which I don't say often. Um, but it is definitely a blow to find out that somebody that you have been pining for and, like, really, um, like, feeling their absence in your life has not been feeling the same way about you. And I'm not saying that it excuses her behavior, but this would be some pretty heavy whiplash to experience in their relationship because just a week ago, Jacob was telling her about the ver- how the last thing that he wanted to do was to not be around her. And so finding out that he seems to have rapidly moved on and that he's well enough to hang out with his friends but still hasn't called Bella, um, or that he is really, like, disregarding her concern without so much as a word would leave me feeling pretty gutted if I were her in this situation. Um, and so upon seeing her reaction to the news, Charlie really sweetly offers to change his plans to stay with her um, because she was clearly hoping to like go to the reservation and spend the day with Jacob. And Charlie's like, I can cancel my fishing plans. Do you want to come fishing with us? Um, and Bella rejects him because she thinks that his offer comes from a place of pity and concern that she'll get mopey again. Um, which makes me really sad because Bella is just so unable to accept or even recognize care and empathy from other people. Like she really thinks that Charlie pities her when in fact what's happening is that he cares about his daughter and doesn't want to see her get hurt. Yeah. Like the idea of like mopey again too. Like she has such a like distorted image of like how bad it was. Like she thinks other people just saw it as her being like mopey or lazy or something. And it's like, no, Bella, you were absolutely devastated. Fully dissociated for three months. Like, you were that is the scaling on that is just so wrong like yeah um 
So Bella's reaction to the Jacob news and to Charlie's concerns um, gave me big, holy shit, Bella go to therapy vibes, to be honest. Oh, for sure. Because uh, Bella, like we were just saying, is unwilling to help, uh, accept help from Charlie or other people in her life, uh, but she's always so fixated on one person, previously Edward and now Jacob, um, to the point where they are just, she centers her life around them. And yeah. she's so she just has major dependency issues on these people and completely alienates yes. herself yes. from others around her. Yes, I actually so, like, have notes Bella- about this, and I'm going to talk more about this later, but yes. Yeah. So Bella rejects Charlie trying to change his plans by lying and saying that she'll call Jessica to study for a calculus test. And Charlie says something along the lines of that he's, like, glad that she's, you know, going to do that, because he's like, oh, you've been spending so much time with Jacob, your other friends might think that you've forgotten about them. And Bella's internal reaction to this is literally, and I'm just going to read this one verbatim, um... I smiled and nodded as if I care about what my other friends thought. One, um, wow, I don't think you can call them friends then. And two, again, looking at all of this, should we suggest dialectical behavior therapy to Bella at this you point? Because it seems like some of those tools might help. I really, I don't understand what's going on in her brain. Like, I don't think she has BPD, but like. Wait. I don't think she does either. I think but she's just she really has, extraordinarily codependent. And, yeah, and I, but like I feel I said, like some I have of those... notes about this. Yeah, like, I don't think she has, yeah, I don't think she has uh, BBD, but I feel like a lot of those, like, the same strategies to, like, help with that would be helpful in, like, helping her deal with the, like, fixation and codependency issues that she has, but maybe not. Um, it's, like, just some of those handouts <laughs> that I've had to use. Oh, God. I don't know. It's rough. Anyways. It just, I could not get over that line. Just the, like, as if she I just care. Well, that's, and that's, again, like, I will, I'll, I, I have notes about this and I will get to this when we are in the next chapter because it becomes really glaringly obvious, but just this, like, this total lack of regard for what anybody other than the, like, one central person that she fixes herself to thinks about her is so deeply indicative of the fact that she has, like, such fucked up attachment issues. Like, her sense of self-worth is so deeply dependent on whoever she's attached herself to and their, like, willingness or ability to provide her with attention. Oh my god. And it's not great. It's not great. So anyways, before he leaves, Charlie tells Bella to stay out of the woods because another hiker has gone missing or something at this point. And I- can I just say, Bella's like, I'm gonna go study with Jessica, and Charlie's like, okay, stay out of the woods. Does he think they're going to go study in the middle of the woods? Or does he no just know idea. his own daughter well enough to know that she's bullshitting him and is probably going to go out into the woods? Probably the second one. But first reaction is like, Charlie, where do you think teenagers go to study anyway? Well, he probably felt that way. Like, where do teenagers go to break up? Probably not the middle of the woods. <laughs> you know? Um. Anyways. So... At this point, I really have to question what the fuck happened to Bella. I googled the word vampire swan because she still isn't putting together questioning any of the series of weird coincidences. Hikers start disappearing at the same time that a new gang forms at the reservation. Now Jacob gets sick and everyone is acting weird and telling her not to come physically down to the reservation. This bitch knows about the supernatural now and still doesn't question that at all. I was really hoping we we're going to get a I know what you are. Say it. Werewolf moment in this book but i guess Absolutely not already. she just she's lost all of her faculties 
Um, so Bella immediately ignores Charlie's request to stay out of the woods. And she's like, you know what? I'm just going to spend the day in the woods searching for Edward's meadow because that seems like a good idea. So she follows the map that Jacob made them out into the woods. She arrives almost too quickly at the meadow. Like she just like, I think there's like, like two sentences where she's like, I got there. Uh, and then I hiked for a little bit and then I found the meadow. Um, and she's instantly sure that it's the same place, but she realizes that it didn't hold what she's been searching for. Um, so Bella has been seeking out this meadow for the last couple of chapters, seemingly in the hopes that some trace of Edward's presence is going to remain there or that it'll some way make her feel closer to him. Um, and I think that she, she thinks that like evoking his memory in this way is going to bring his voice to her or that it's going to make her feel closer to him or something. Um, and I think that Stephanie Meyer actually does a fairly good job here of using the prose to convey the way in which the emptiness of this meadow feels for Bella, like a really tangible physical manifestation of the emptiness that she's been experiencing internally and how emotionally dysregulating that is yeah. for her. Like she really, upon arriving at this meadow and realizing that it's like not bringing up any sense of connection for her, like crumples. Yeah, um, which I totally felt because this reminded me actually a lot. and. Who knows? Maybe it was influenced by this book, this experience. But um, probably was. I remember when John and I broke up. Um, when I was like what sixteen, right? 17, um, maybe. I think sixteen because I was dating Swinky when I turned seventeen. Mm. Right? I think. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, you were a teenager. I was a teenager. Um. Yeah, because he was at the birthday party that at uh at Alan's parents' house. Oh yeah. Yeah, anyways, doesn't matter. I was sixteen. That's the point. Um, so we broke up and we used to hang out in this like cement hole behind the police station. Uh, you hung out in the pit. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh and I remember after we broke up, I like went down there. And I was, like, super devastated when we broke up, like, as you may re- remember. Um, I don't think I even went to school the next day. My mom let me stay home because I, I looked like Bella Swan. I was just laying in bed despondent. Like, I can't move. I don't make me go to school. Like, um, but I went there and I remember thinking, like, looking around being like, this place before meant everything to me. It was, like, so filled with my attachment to this person that even when I wasn't with him here, I still was like, oh, I could kind of feel his presence. Like, oh, this reminds me of this person and it makes me feel, like, warm even when, you know, he's not around. But then after we broke up and I went back there when I was really sad, I was like, oh, maybe if I go here, I'll, like, feel close. Or I think there was a part of me that was like, maybe I'll see him, even though that was, like, not going to happen. And I feel like this part was going on with Bella here, too. Like, she knows she's not going to yeah. see him. Yeah, but she still, like, she, thinks like, that she's going to. She, and, like, has like, some fun. hope that she's going to go there and this, like, magical quality that this meadow has held for her is, like, somehow going to conjure him into reality. Uh, and when that doesn't happen, she really is just like yeah. devastated she's consumed by this grief that i think she's been like i think she's been holding out some like tiny sliver of hope that he's gonna come back in this moment and when he doesn't she's overcome by her grief and so she's just sort of curled into this ball on the ground in the meadow mm-hmm. trying to collect herself enough to get up and leave and as she's laying there she notices someone step out of the trees on the other side of the clearing so after a moment of initial confusion and what seems like a latent hope that it actually might be edward Bella recognizes that it's Laurent. 
Um, and for those of you who don't remember or never knew, um, Laurent is one of the non-vegan vampires who crashed the Cullen's vampire baseball game in the last book. So he, again, uh, as Kat mentioned, was relatively chill. Um, when the, like, Bella hunting started, he's just sort of, like, fucked off to Alaska to hang out with the other coven of vegan vampires rather than get involved in the battle between the Cullens and the other vampires of his group, James and Victoria. So Bella says that she's excited to see him. And for once, she knows that this is not a rational emotional response in this moment. She God, I was so glad she knew it. Yeah, she really acknowledges outright that it is wild for her to be this excited because she knows that Laurent has precisely zero qualms about eating her on principle. Um, but somehow his showing up has once again given Bella some kind of proof that Edward does in fact exist because we will remind you that upon leaving Forks, Edward pretty significantly gaslights, as usual, the fuck out of Bella by removing every trace of his existence from her life. And so Bella is really sort of like grasping at straws to prove to herself that this relationship that she had was real. And Laurent showing up in this moment is sort of this confirmation for her. So Laurent is understandably really surprised to see Bella and tells her that he is surprised to see her because he found the Collins house completely empty and thought that they left town. Um, Bella tells him that they have left, which is an extraordinarily stupid thing to do because she's now admitted outright that she's in the forest alone without a vampire army to protect her this time. Um, then again, when have we ever known Bella to be anything other than a dumb bitch with no self-preservation instinct? Yeah, Bella's reaction to this whole thing was just very stupid. Like, she's like, Laurent, and he's like, what the fuck, Bella? And she thinks... And then the actual words of the text are, um, it was ridiculous that I should be so elated because a vampire knew my name. Which honestly was like me the other night at Freelance Wrestling Show when one of the wrestlers said that he knew me from Twitter. But (laughs) that was so weird. Uh, But seriously, what a maladaptive response. Like, come on. And so the fact that... But then, like, the fact that Laurent doesn't know where the Collins went or that they were gone... Makes me wonder how long he was with the Alaskan tribe and also, like, if the Collins did or did not tell the Alaskan tribe where they were moving to. Because that would seem really strange to me, since it seems like they were pals. Yeah. But I honestly, and I honestly thought I remember that some of them had gone up there, or at least temporarily, while they were trying to figure out where to regroup. But, like, maybe I'm making that up? No, I think you're right. I think I also remember, like, at one point, Edward tells... Uh, Bella, that Jasper, like, went, yeah, that Jasper had gone to, like, Alaska, and that Alice had followed him there. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Laurent does know, maybe he left before they got there. Who knows? I don't know. So, either way, I'm just wondering if Laurent didn't know, like, if he didn't know more than he was letting on, or if he had been there, like, a lot shorter than Bella had assumed. I don't know. That just makes me question the logistics of the writing of this book. Like... I just wonder if this is a plot hole or not. So anyways, Laurent is surprised that the Collins left Belle behind, uh, and is like, weren't you one of, uh, like, weren't you their pet? Uh, and she says that she was something like that, which I can only hope is the start of a new kink development, uh, for her, <laughs> like, just to keep it interesting. Um, I would oh. like to interject here with a yeah. relevant anecdote. So, oh God. earlier this week, earlier this week, ah. before I got the, de- what? This is getting, it's I don't fine. like, I don't like how this is starting. It's fine. Earlier this week before I got the dog, I posted a picture on Instagram of the crate that I got for her, which is like, you know, those like wire <laughs> kennels. 
Um, I posted just the picture of the crate on Instagram, uh, captioned, like, getting ready. Um, and my friend Hannah, friend of the pod, um, sent me a message back and she was like, you know, my first thought upon seeing this was, is Sahana getting a live-in sub? And I cried. That's like when I so, was sitting next to my friends and they were on next door and they saw someone advertising for a pack and play. And they were, like, cackling. And they're like, oh, my God, how bold. And I was like, how is that bold? And they're like, what do you mean? How is that not bold? And I was like, a pack and play. Like, That's for babies? Like a, it's like a portable playpen. Yeah, it was like, for babies? And they're like, oh, we were thinking, like, strap-ons. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, What so, happens next? Um. What does happen next? Um, so Bella, oh yeah, so Bella quickly realizes uh, something is wrong, uh, noticing that Laurent does not have golden eyes as you'd expect from someone hanging out with a bunch of vegan vampires, uh, but instead his eyes are a deep red, implying that he is carnivorous and hungry. So Bella oh, starts, yep. Uh, so Bella starts hearing the voice of Edward again, um, instructing her on what to do to protect herself from Laurent. Um, and considering Bella has terrible instincts, when I read this, I was like, if this works out for her, I can only assume that my theory that this isn't a hallucination, but an actual superpower or divine intervention intervention is actually reality. Yeah, that's fair. So, but I did say this. I actually thought that this interchange between Laurent and Bella was pretty well written, at least in the sense that I found it actually frightening and suspenseful, unlike anything else in the last book. Like, I had totally forgotten about this part until I started rereading it, and then I was like, oh shit. Oh shit, Bella, you are in trouble, girl. Get out. Get away from here. And I think part of it is that in the last book, when she had an exchange with James, we knew what his intentions and goals were. Like, just to fucking go to town on her blood, like me with a banana milkshake. I'm uh, sorry, well, your preferred flavor of milkshake is banana? I love banana milkshakes. What the I fuck? I love them. I feel like I Have don't had even one? know you. Have you had one? No, but I don't like banana-flavored things. No, it has bananas in it. Oh. It's like grilled okay. bananas and ice cream. Yeah, okay, I would maybe drink one of those. It tastes like a, a banana. A, There's chunks of bananas in it. I'm a pineapple milkshake girl. I love a pineapple milkshake. I probably would love it, but I am allergic to pineapple. Yeah, that's but probably I still, not great. I still eat it, but I shouldn't. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, though, so... Try to drink a blood like a banana milkshake. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but with Laurent, we aren't as certain. Like, we've seen him spare her, like, just easily without even, like, really being that concerned about it in the past. Um, and he seems to use a gross word because it's a word that she's used, uh, civilized, so to speak. So, the threat is definitely present, but we don't know his thoughts immediately. And we it's don't actually know kind of- where this could go. This could go either way. Interesting way for Stephanie Meyer to sort of build suspense here. Yeah. Which I thought it was actually, like, I don't know about you, I thought this part was actually suspenseful. Like, I thought, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know really what's going to happen in this next moment. Like, moment to moment. Like, I obviously know eventually. I remember, like, oh, this thing's going to happen and whatever. Yeah. But, like, the moment to moment interaction, she kept it uncertain enough for at least long enough to be interesting. We, With James, yeah, it was like one happen. paragraph. The, st- the fight started and ended. This was at least several pages. 
So what proceeds is a conversation about how Laurent is having trouble sticking to his diet and how sometimes uh, he cheats when he's on vacation, which granted, talks about diets are always horrifying and unwelcome, but this one is particularly horrifying as it is increasingly implying, and I'm on vacation, it's my cheat day, and your white ass looks like a piece of cheesecake. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, boy. Um, so... At this point, Edward's voice tells Bella to stay instead of giving in to her instinctively. So she stays, but she makes the awful fucking mistake of asking about Victoria. And Laurent is like, oh, actually, I came to Forks as a favor to Victoria, uh, and she's not going to be happy about me killing you. So now we know Uh that that is his plan. Um, He says that he was essentially on a reconnaissance mission for Victoria, who's been planning to murder Bella as revenge for Edward killing James. But Laurent was hunting... And now that Bella's here, she smells too good to resist because, again, apparently Bella smells better than most humans. Um, And Edward's voice tells her to threaten Laurent, which doesn't work. And then it tells her to beg, which also doesn't work. And so then Laurent is like, oh, you're so lucky I found you because at least I'm going to make it quick because you don't want to know what Victoria had in store for you. She was not going to spare you the torture. Yeah. Although Laurent does not spare her uh, emotional torture, though, because no. he does just fucking decimate her. He's like, you know, this is supposed to be revenge, you know, like a loved one for a loved one. But I don't think Victoria's going to be that satisfied because clearly Edward doesn't give a shit about you if he left you here unprotected. And Bella, of course, is seemingly more upset about this sick burn than she is about the fact that she's literally about to be murdered dead uh so, so about dead. to face her demise bella finally lets her think lets herself think about edward and honestly sahana i was reading your notes before we started recording <laughs> and i nearly fucking died because you wrote um let me find it you wrote as bella is chanting edward's name in her head and preparing to die and it just <laughs> freaking lost it because i pictured it as like begging but it's way funnier as a slow chant because i was oh, thinking I like edward oh my god like edward 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 please like edward oh my god please edward 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 come here but then i like it better uh how you wrote it which is just edward word oh, no sorry no wait edward 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 i mean i guess it makes sense that she that it's like a frantic plea but it just says that she's like repeating his name in her yeah, head over just and over says and so edward, 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 like, edward, oh, edward 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 uh, so, just as she's about to get eaten, though, Laurent pulls back, distracted by something in the woods. Uh, which, I don't know how he didn't smell this coming way earlier than they showed yeah. up. great question. Uh, because they're fucking wet dogs. But anyways, though, so soon, a huge black shape eased out of the trees, quiet as a shadow, and stalked deliberately toward the vampire. It was enormous, <laughs> as tall as a horse, but thicker, much more muscular. <laughs> now, if you join our Patreon... At any rate, any $2, whatever, you can see a picture of a really muscular horse in my chapter notes because I was really bothered by this description and I made some regrettable choices. (laughs) Have you ever seen, it's like, it's gone around Twitter a lot. I'm so sorry, I can't contain myself, it's really good. It is the cover of a romance novel and it's called, But You're a Horse. No, I haven't. It's like, it's like a, uh, like a very muscular chested man with hooves for hands and a horse's head, like embracing like a scantily clad woman. You have to find this in her tweet. 
tweet it. But you're a horse. I will. It's anyway. so good. That's what I thought of. Yeah, that could be our <laughs> teaser for the next episode. So, anyway. Uh, Bella realizes that this is the bear that everyone's been talking about, except it's not a bear, it's a wolf, and oh, sh- holy shit, oh fuck, oh no, there are now five wolves, and not only is Bella going to get eaten by a vampire, but maybe she'll also get gnawed on by some wolves. Um, so one of the wolves, who is a rust brown color, looks at her, and suddenly, for no reason at all, Bella not is all. reminded of Jacob, uh, who she has never described as having a skin tone, uh, that color, and who is definitely not a wolf or anything. Yeah, that's not what's happening. So, but Bella's too busy being confused uh, by why Laurent is seemingly scared of these wolves to muse about that too much. But personally, I didn't really understand why she was so confused. Because these wolves are huge. And just because you can fight something off doesn't mean you want to. I mean, he's on vacation, Bella. He wanted an easy (laughs) snack. He didn't want to prepare a five-course meal. (laughs) So, either way. Laurent runs the fuck away, and the wolves chase after him, which Bella's also confused about, but at least that one's, like, a valid concern, as Laurent doesn't have blood or whatever, and an animal, like, probably wouldn't think he would smell that good. So maybe the wolves have, like, pica, and, like, maybe these wolves need to go on My Strange Addiction, but whatever. So, after a few moments of being completely devastatingly terrified, Bella finally gets up and just to run the fuck away uh, before the wolves come back to munch on her. Um, so in her panic, she just gets really fucking lost, and then finally she gets back to her car and somehow manages to stay calm enough to get home. And this is one instance where I felt like Stephanie Meyer wrote Bella as properly terrified. She just, like, absolutely panics and freaks the fuck out on her way back to the car. And, like, who can blame her? I don't get how Bella gets through any given day having experienced all the terrifying shit she has and not being able to tell anyone about it, especially now, because she knows there's a new threat in the form of Victoria who could just appear and violently murder her at any moment. Yep. So, upon getting home, Charlie is confr- uh, confronts her. He's like, where the fuck were you? And But considering she's panicking and covered in mud and sap, she tells him a fair amount of the truth for once. Um, that, one, she has gone off into the woods. Uh, oh, yeah, and she saw five wolves. Uh, so, Charlie is concerned. Uh, but he, the first thing he does is call the station report, which she just told him, because there's all these hikers and shit missing. Um, and after he's done, he's like, hey, are you hungry? And then just sort of lets her go. And personally, Charlie's reaction really bummed me out. He really did not almost anything to comfort or check in on her. Like, I don't know about you. Sometimes Charlie is way too hands off of a parent. Yeah, I think partially it's that, like, I think he's really upset with her for disobeying him. But also I wonder if Charlie's, like, really reluctant to discipline Bella in any way because he's, like, afraid it's gonna... Like, deeply upset her because she's fragile. But also, no, I agree with you. I think that it is wild that he doesn't check in with her to be like, hey, you were maybe almost attacked by a bunch of wolves. You okay, bud? Like, there does not seem to be any level of concern around that. No, he's not. He doesn't even, he's not like, oh my god. Like, he's like, are you okay? And then he's just like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, not at all like, how are you feeling? Like, what I, and he's not even like, He's like, oh, are you hungry? Like, it's whatever. Oh, and then also, I almost forgot, not only does he not check him in there, but he's also like, oh, yeah, um, I thought you said Jacob was out of town. And she's like, yeah, he was. And he's like, well, I saw him. So. And she's like, cool? Neat? And he's like, yeah, he looks different. He's like, bigger and stronger and like, giant and shaggy and rust colored and a wolf. <laughs> uh, just kidding. No. Um, so Bella goes upstairs uh, and then I'll just read this part at the end of the chapter. It says, she goes, um, There was nothing I could do. There were no precautions I could take. 
there is no place I could hide. There is no one who could help me. And sadly, this is a pretty fucking fair assessment of Bella's current predicament. And so I ended this chapter with three thoughts. One, poor Bella, seriously, cannot even imagine that fear and hopelessness. Two, the Cullens were really irresponsible with her. Uh, and three, what fucking good is Alice that she couldn't have predicted any of this? Honestly, part of me wonders if Alice did predict this and Edward is just, like, not allowing her to do anything about it. You know? Or Alice just doesn't know who the fuck Edward is. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Anyways, that's the end of chapter 10. What was your favorite part? Um, my favorite part of this chapter is when Bella is talking about making her way out of the meadow. She says, I would crawl away if I had to. And obviously, immediately, the first thing that came to my mind was, anything's better than crawling. Very, that's a good one. (laughs) My favorite part was, uh, okay, I'm gonna quote it. All I knew about Mana was you're supposed to get it from kissing, which was clearly not the case with Jake. Like, that part made me laugh what? so hard. She was fucking savage. But, what a burn. Uh, but also, girl, like, you don't know. There are other girls alive in this world, or dudes, and Jacob's a hottie. Yeah. You don't know. Uh, you're constantly reminding us that you think that he is a hot child. So, that's weird. Um, what anyway. happens in the next chapter, and what's it called? Uh, chapter 11 is called Cult. Um, and so, in the wake so season of three this of wolf attack, yeah, season, season three of Riverdale, um, in the wake of this wolf attack, uh, Bella's experiencing some pretty significant disruptive hypervigilance, which is a pretty common trauma reaction. Um, so this feeling that somebody is watching you or might attack you at any moment, this feeling of being really jumpy, like Bella says, that Charlie's really concerned because she, like, screams or jumps at every small noise. Um, and it makes a lot of sense that Bella's going through this, considering that she's perceiving a very real threat and a sense of complete defenselessness against it. I haven't seen the movie, and I can't wait to see Kristen Stewart act that. Um, <laughs> but I cannot even imagine how alone Bella is feeling right now. Like, I honestly, I feel so bad for her. And she's, like, just terrified that she's gonna get killed and get Charlie killed. And also, her only real friend has just dropped her without explanation, which has uh, has to feel so reminiscent of Edward leaving. Right. So she still has, yeah, so she still hasn't heard from Jacob. And after three more days, she decides to call him every half hour. I didn't know. All day. Half hour. I didn't even pick up every half hour all day until after 11 p.m. at night. So look, I know that Bella's really upset and isolated and frightened and I get it. But also, this is extremely not okay behavior. So as unfair as I will admit it is for Jacob to have ghosted her like this, um, and as justified as Bella's anxiety over the situation is, this is deeply, deeply uncool. Yeah, um, I didn't realize it was every half hour. That's nuts. Every half hour. Um, so Bella also considers just driving to La Push to confront Jacob directly, but she's worried about leading Victoria to him um, and doesn't want to put him in danger. So she decides it's just safer for her to stay away. Charlie once again just tells her to mind her own fucking business. But when does Bella ever listen to Charlie? Um, so a few days later, she's driving home from school, um, and Bella suddenly realizes what is wrong with Jacob. It's Sam Uli, the Nightmare Man. Um, Jacob yep. figures that, I'm sorry, Bella figures that Jacob has been sucked into Sam's cult, which is why he's been so unresponsive. Um, so she spends a couple of moments deciding what to do, and then figures that if Victoria wanted to kill her by now, she probably would have, so it's unlikely that they're going to follow her to La Push, and so she decides to try to save Jacob. 
Um, and I use that language very intentionally because I want to pause for a second here. That is like what she said, too. Yeah. Because, it, yeah, and, and is it just me or does Bella feel extraordinarily white savory in this moment? Like, I don't know if I had Bella, quite that vibe at this part. I like, did later on. Yes. Well, so this is the first moment that I sort of like had a twinge of this being gross because Bella is out here trying to rescue a brown man from his own tribal tradition. Okay, but they're not tribal and traditions, I know, though. Well, they're distinctly not. Jacob says, this is why I didn't think it was white savory, because Jacob said specifically that this is a new gang, that they've never acted like this before, that suddenly the tribal elders are breaking all their regular traditions to allow this to happen, and that he was but scared. It is, but it's, and I guess it's like, it's part of their tribal lore. Like, it is part of their sort of, like, ancestral culture. What are you and talking I know that about? Bella doesn't know that. What? What are you talking about? The werewolf shit. But she doesn't know that they're werewolves, so how is this right, white Right, so that's what I'm saying. It's like, she she doesn't know that yet, but... It is later, again. Still, I agree with you that it is white But still, she, with, even without knowing this, she's still framing herself as Jacob's savior. Oh, yeah, no, that part uses was the, fucking gross. She uses the phrase rescue mission. Yeah, Like, no. it's still gross. That part was gross. Um, but I don't think her, her concern and her feeling that she has to do something... I in the context, well, so I in the context of I the conversation know, she last I don't know that Bella herself is white saviory, but I think that the way that Stephanie oh, Meyer yes, writes Bella absolutely. is white saviory. Absolutely. Like, I don't think that Bella's character motivation is to be a white savior. I think that Stephanie Meyer's motivation writing Bella oh, in this way yes, comes from a place yes, of being a white savior. Absolutely. She's definitely doing that. And she's definitely yes. going to continue doing that and continue doing oh, it. For the whole rest of this book. Um, so Bella's next move is to then call Charlie to try to get someone to take her concerns about Jacob seriously. And I have pretty mixed feelings about this. Because on the oh one God. hand, yeah. considering how secretive and reluctant Bella generally is to share anything about her life with Charlie, the fact that she calls him now is a pretty significant signal of just how worried she actually is about what's going on with him. Um, and on the other hand... Of course this fucking white bitch is going to get the cops involved in her white savior mission. And so Bella, to me, in this moment, is just another white woman aligning herself with the violent arm of the state in order to save a brown person from their own community. Yeah. And I'm I'm not really sure it. I felt about this whole thing either. Like, on one hand, when Jacob talked to Bella, again, like, he was really frightened and concerned. And I can see why she feels like she has to do something. And I assume that in her mind, she's not, like, thinking about it as, like, oh, I'm calling the cops. She's like, I'm calling literally the only other person in my life who knows Jacob and Billy. Yeah, fair. Who happens to be her dad, who happens to be a sheriff. But still, that doesn't change the fact that, like, she is calling in him as a cop to do something about someone not calling her. Like, she is jumping so far ahead of herself based on only the fact that Jacob just isn't that into her anymore. Like, she literally is just like, um, Jacob won't call me back, so clearly we need the police. Like... Which is <laughs> what a deeply white girl thing to do. Which is insane. Like, and it's yeah. And so at this, this is the beginning of the point where I was starting to be like, okay, Bella, yeah, absolutely not. Um, oh, I just know what knocked you're both about. of my headphones out of my ears. Anyway, um, so yeah, regardless, so Charlie yeah. ends up not taking her seriously. Um, because as soon as she mentions Sam, Charlie's like, oh, Bella, you've got it wrong. Billy loves Sam. He's a good kid. He's doing wonders with the youth on the reservation, which truly makes Charlie sound like an old man. Because anytime anyone says the word youth, I think either of Liz Lemon or of Joe Pesci saying youths in My Cousin oh my Vinny, God. Um, which is a also, great movie that you should all watch. Also, this made me remember something that makes it even more so definitely white savory, even on a character standpoint. Actually, on a character standpoint. Not just on a Stephanie Meyer standpoint, because what she knows about Sam 
is literally that he had him and his friends were trying to keep kids off drugs. Like that was yes, that yep. was their gang. That's the awful thing that Jake is being swept into. Uh, yeah. So really, it's her being like, um, he doesn't want to hang out with me. He wants to hang out with his like with other people in his culture. And that's um, so unacceptable. So I'm gonna call the cops. Yep. Um, I bet out there there are just legions of white women that have called the cops when a brown guy is no longer interested in them. Oh yeah. Ooh, oh god. Wait. Um. So of course Charlie likes Sam also because he's the one that carried Bella out of the woods after Edward abandoned her there. Um. So it would make sense that he is not concerned about Sam. Um. So Charlie knows like them Bella and knows their community. Yeah, um, so Charlie's like, Bella, it's fine. Billy's taking care of Jacob. Back the fuck off. Um, and then Charlie also tells her that he's like, you know, also, I have other things I need to worry about right now. Two more hikers have gone missing. Um, it was probably the wolves that got them. Uh, but then Bella promptly forgets about this because who cares about dead hikers, right? Oh, God. She literally, she literally says, or wait. Yeah, she's no, like, I'm going to talk about it later. She says something about, like, focusing on the crisis at hand. Um, yeah, actually, it's my anyway. favorite part, so I'm going to talk about it at the end. Great. Uh, anyway, Bella Swan clearly has her priorities straight. Um, so apparently having absorbed precisely none of that, Bella hangs up and immediately calls Billy, who once again tells her that Jacob is out with his friends. Um, Bella pumps Billy for information until she gets confirmation that he's hanging out with Sam and the gang. Um, and then she drives to La Push to stake out Jacob's house, I guess. I guess. I She's like, oh, I'll sit out in front of his house all night and miss school if I have to. And I think this is the point at which I have to entertain the possibility that Bella Swan, I think, is the oh. one that's delivering our red flag of the week. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Like, this kind of obsessive behavior is really deeply unhealthy. And between the stakeout and the nonstop phone calls, this is beginning to border on stalking behavior. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so Bella drives to La Push. Not even border. she runs. She literally shows up at his. This is, this is stalking behavior. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Bella drives to La Push and runs into Quill walking on the side of the road right outside the reservation because, you know, sure. Um, and there are a couple of weird things here that I want to point out. First of all, Bella makes a big show of telling us how much Quill has grown. As always, in the weirdest and grossest way possible, she literally goes, what is it with these Quilloot boys? Were they feeding them experimental growth hormones? Bitch, what the fuck? Um, and then also, Bella says that she drives onto the wrong side of the road, i.e. into oncoming traffic in order to pull over to talk to Quill. And I think that Bella's intentions here speak for themselves. Are you saying what I think you're saying? Because I don't think Bitch, there's any traffic not, out there. <laughs> when am I not saying it? Isabella Swan is horny for two things, car crashes and brown men. That is accurate. <laughs> Oh, boy. So, Stephanie Meyer then uses every word in the thesaurus for sad <laughs> to tell us that Quill doesn't quite look right. She's, like, despondent, moody, furrowed brow. It's all fucking stupid. Anyway, Bella gives Quill a ride back to his house and then wastes absolutely no time pumping him for oh, information God, yeah. about Jacob. Um, and Quill's like, yeah, I saw Jacob hanging out with Embry and I tried to follow them. He literally says that he was stumbling around in the forest <laughs> for an hour yelling Which for them. Which really weird. <laughs> Which, and also, honestly, makes me think that maybe the real love story here is Bella and Quill, because apparently both of them are dumb enough bitches to just wander around in the woods looking for somebody who clearly doesn't give a shit about them. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, Quill confirms that Sam has apparently mansoned Jacob. Um, he tells Bella that he's scared because none of the elders seem to be concerned and he doesn't want to be next, and, which is actually so sad. And Bella, of course, is like, yeah, okay, whatever, bye. <laughs> like, yeah. Bella doesn't give a single shit. Like, Bella's no. such a piece of shit. She, she does All she care. cares, she picks him up just because she's like, oh, someone connected to Jacob. And then he's like, yeah, this serious shit is happening and I actually have to live this life. Like, this is this is what's going on in my world and I'm scared and I don't know what to do. And she's like, oh yeah, that's too bad. Anyway, bye. We're at your house. Yep. So yeah. if you want to get out. And like, yep. poor Quill. The only person he has to tell about this, like who might possibly give a shit is Bella because everyone else on the tribe is like, no, it's fine. Don't talk about it. It's okay. And he's like, it's not okay. And so he finally has someone who's like, hey, you also know this isn't okay. And she's just like, yeah, but I don't care about you. So anyways, bye. Um. So after Bella drops Quill off at his house, she literally goes and stakes out the Black's house. And Billy sees her out the window, but Bella literally just, like, sits in the cab of her truck dueling in the back of an old test because, like, this fucking person, this fucking dumbass bitch cannot think to bring anything else on her stakeout with her. She doesn't have any supplies. Like, this is, a for me, this is a calculus textbook shit all over again. Because as someone <laughs> who carries a tiny backpack full of supplies with them at all times, this just really bothered me. Plan ahead, Bella. Bring a snack. Bring handheld Yahtzee. Do better. <laughs> but I guess it doesn't even really matter because she's only there for like a minute before Jacob knocks on the window to ask, what the fuck are you doing here? I fucking go to school here. Anyways. Um, <laughs> you will be schooled here. <laughs> so Bella says that she's astonished by how much she's changed. And once again, describes Jacob in the most fetishizing way Bitch, possible. I do not even get me started. The whole next three plus pages of this book are just money in the Stephanie Meyer owes me reparations bank. Yep, so I'm just gonna read this bit out loud because it's essentially just a gratuitous description of Jacob's post-puberty body. Uh, and it has to be heard to be believed. Uh, okay. Ugh. Anyway. Whew. Jacob had radically... I already fucked up. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, take two. Here we go. Here we go. Jacob had changed radically in the last week since I'd seen him. The first thing I noticed was his hair. His beautiful hair was all gone, cropped quite short, covering his head with an inky gloss like black satin. The planes of his face seemed to have hardened subtly, uh, tightened, aged. His neck and his shoulders were different, too, thicker somehow. His hands were uh, where they were gripped... Uh, Sorry, I cannot read this. Where they gripped the window frame looked enormous, with the tendons and veins more prominent under the russet skin. Now, I will remind you all that this is a description of a teenage boy. Who cannot see an R-rated movie. And she makes a point. She makes the point to say that this transformation has made him look older, as though that somehow justifies this overt sexualization. And I truly don't know what else there is to say about this other than that it's gross and she's just going to continue to do it for the rest of the series. Also, Bella, motherfucking white-ass bitch, Bella Swan, literally says that all of these brown men look the same. Oh god, I know. That part. She says, she's like, they could have been brothers. I couldn't even pick Embry out of the group. Like, I cannot make this shit up. Bella Swan literally is like, all of these brown men look the same to me. And, like, cool. it's so dumb. And Stephanie Meyer's like, no, I'm talking about how they all have the same haircut. And it's like, no. okay. I'm pretty sure if I saw a bunch of people I knew with the same haircut, I could still tell them apart. Um, sure, Jan. But also, um, I want to remind everyone that when Stephanie Meyer wrote this book, 
it was based off a dream that she had. And she was, like, in love with Edward, who was, like, a 17-year-old boy. And this is Jacob, the other love interest of her self-insert character. So let's just think about that every time she describes a teenager in a grossly sexual way. Not great. Not great. Not a good look. Not a good look. So, anyways, in addition to the physical changes... Bella says that Jacob's disposition has also completely changed and that he's almost unrecognizable. That the warmth in his eyes altered to a brooding resentment that was instantly disturbing. And that, and this part was so ridiculous, there was a darkness in Jacob now. Right, so basically it sounds like one of Sam's getting one Jacob in my chemical romance album for the first time. <laughs> so when Bella sees Sam, she's so upset about him stealing her friend for his keep the youth off drugs cult that she wishes she could be fierce and deadly enough that Sam would be scared of her. Um, and then she catches herself being like, I need to be like big, I need to be strong, I need to be a vampire. Uh, and this thought momentarily devastates her because it reminds her of the possible future that uh, will now never come to pass where she could have actually been a vampire. And she's like literally like, oh god. And like for a moment is like completely like proud of this conversation, which is absurd. Anyways, so Jacob just continues to glare at her while she tries to hold herself together and she finally asks him to talk alone. And after uh, Bella's moderately racist description of Sam's answer in Kuliut, because she's like, oh, I forget how she describes it. She literally, oh, what word I remember. All of the racist shit in this book is burning in my brain. She's like, Sam answered in a strange language, and I knew enough to know that it wasn't French or Spanish, so my best guess was that it was Quilly. No, I remember that part. What is the word she uses? It's like... Uh, strange, I think? No, no, she uses, no, I mean, like, she uses another descriptive word that's, like, silky or, like, something. I think it might be silky. Fluid, fluid. I think it's fluid. Is it fluid. A fluid, a fluid language, or something. I don't know. Something weird that was like made him something sound like a snake. Yeah, I, it was. Um, it was gross. Anyways, um, yeah. So after that, everyone but Jacob uh, walks back into the blacks' house uh, to leave Bella and Jacob alone because Sam like nodded and was like, "Yeah, let's go, gang." Uh, so Bella asks Jacob to talk, and she immediately, of course, heads to the place where all emotional conversations happen in the world of Twilight, into the fucking woods. Wild. Uh, so Jacob tells her that what's happening with Sam and everyone is not what she or Jacob initially thought, uh, that his judgment of the situation was way off. And so at this point, Bella could accept that. Or she could do some white savior bullshit because she's like, um, I don't accept that because of, that it means that you just don't like me and I refuse to accept that because that's too bad for my self-image. So um, I'm just gonna fight you and tell you that you're brainwashed because the only excuse for not wanting me is for you to be brainwashed. Um, yep. So these brown people are holding you hostage when really you want to be with me. Um, yep. So... Bella asks him to explain what's going on, and he's like, I can't. And he's really weird and cagey. Like, excessively weird and cagey. Um, But what follows is a really aggressive, uh, super intense conversation, or like, argument, whatever you want to call it. Um, So I guess, I don't know, he's got to sum it up somehow. Yeah, it's it's really long, so we try to break it up as best we can. So, it starts by saying, he's like, I can't tell you what's going on, and Bella's like, I thought we were friends. And Jacob is like, we were indicating that they're not friends anymore. So 
Bella accuses him of not needing friends anymore now that he has Sam. Jacob says that it's not Sam's fault and Sam is just trying to help him, but Bella remains skeptical. So Bella starts begging Jacob to tell her what's going on so that she can help him. But Jacob's like, nobody can help me now. Uh, Bella tries to reach out to him. Like she literally opens her arms to him and is like, talk to me about what's going on. But Jacob recoils and tells her not to touch him. Um, and I do genuinely feel some empathy for Bella in this moment because she's watching her friend who might be the only person that she genuinely cared about, um, for the last several months, turn into someone completely different and tell her that he's beyond help. She's probably feeling yeah. pretty abandoned and helpless in this moment. And I, I can, I can have some empathy for that. Yeah. Um, and he's being super, super weird because he's really like, weird. He's like letting on that something's going on and there's something weird. But- but it's like refusing to tell her what no it is. No, like nothing. Like he just starts saying weird shit. And she's like, why are you saying this weird shit? What does this yeah, mean? Yeah, it's like very, very cryptic. And he's and like, so, don't talk to me about it. Like. Yeah. So she says, once again, she says something about Sam. And Jacob's like, stop blaming Sam for this. And Bella's like, okay, tell me who to blame. Um, and Jacob says, you don't want to know, but she presses him and demands an explanation. And so Jacob explodes and tells her that if she's looking to place blame, she should point the finger at those filthy reeking bloodsuckers that you love so much. Um, unsurprisingly, this tears Bella apart, but it also confuses her because as far as she knew, nobody but her and the Cullens knew that the Cullens were vampires. And Billy. So now, Billy knew. And Billy. Um, but also she was under the impression that that was like a superstition and not a confirmation. So she is now like both emotionally wrecked and confused. And in this moment, trying to figure out if Sam's cult is like a gang of vampire haters, which is honestly a hilarious notion to me. Like I just imagine all of them hanging out in somebody's garage and making like a list on a flip chart of all of the reasons that vampires fucking suck. (laughs) I also thought that this part, um, because at first... When, okay, at first when Bella arrives and Jacob's all angry and stuff and have been talking to her, I was also confused. I was like, is Stephanie Meyer going to explain why Jacob is suddenly an asshole? Like, do werewolves have, like, PMDD? Like, <laughs> like is he just, like, angry right now? He's going to be fine in a few days? Because it doesn't really make sense just because he's a werewolf what's now. The, that- what's the werewolf equivalent of, um, nine-week hormonal birth control cycle because that's what i do for my pmdd maybe jacob just needs like um what's the what's the wolfsbane potion is that what lupin drinks maybe he just needs some wolfsbane potion yeah i don't know but it was <laughs> wolfsbane potion is just a treat werewolf pmdd <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know I was like, I don't really understand why Jacob's suddenly an asshole just because he's a werewolf. Like, I don't understand why he's not talking to Bella. But this part at least finally explained it. It's be like, because he's like, oh, you aligned yourself with these vampires who fucked up everything. And now I know that. And I didn't know that before. But now I know they're vampires. It's you fucking suck, Bella. Um, so in all of this, despite the fact that he's so angry, he seems to be shaking, presumably trying not to turn into a werewolf. Uh, Jacob asks her, he's like the Hulk. Uh, Jacob asks her not to, we assume, make him explain. <laughs> That's my secret. I'm always PMSing. Woo! <laughs> 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 oh my god. Uh, Me, honestly. My life was so fucked up. 
um, that I'm either on my period or PMSing because my fucking uh, symptoms last like two weeks before. God, miserable. Listen, I've been on nine week cycles of birth control since 2013. I have four periods a year and it's a fucking blessing. I was on birth control for so long and I never had any problems. And then I, then my doctor stopped calling me back, and I was like, well, if you can't call me back, uh, the same rule for guys that I have for doctors, you can't go into my vagina. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so that I wasn't on birth control anymore, and now everything sucks. Now you're a werewolf. I'm a fucking werewolf now. It sucks. Anyways. Oh, God. Okay, so, what's going on with Jacob? Yeah, so... He asks her not to make him explain because uh, he knows how upsetting talk with Collins is for her. And it's uh, a reminder that Jacob is still the only one who seems to notice or care about Bella's emotional reaction to things. Uh, so Bella asks him what this has to do with the Collins. She's like, try to fake it. Um, since they left more than six months ago. Um, and Jacob says that things have been set in motion. It's too late now. Uh, so as Jacob gets progressively more furious, uh, Bella starts to hear Edward's voice in her head telling her not to push him. Um, and as a reminder, up until this point, Bella's only heard Everett's voice when she's in, like, danger, like, real danger. Um, like, physical, active harm, not just emotional. Um, or thrill-seeking. Um, and so the voice tells her to give Jacob a chance to calm down. Um, which she does the exact opposite of by immediately yelling at his face about how he hasn't actually told her anything. Yeah, like, she just starts yelling at him. She's like, I ran into Quill. He's freaked the fuck out. Don't you care about your friend? Um, and this is actually tactic. the first- because she doesn't actually yeah, give a it's shit really, about Quill. No, she doesn't. It's incredibly manipulative. Like, she is just, she's using Quill as a way to try to get Jacob to talk about what's going on. And the thing is, is that it seems to work because this is the first thing that has a significant emotional impact on him. Again, an indication that Jacob is actually a caring person who is worried about how this change is impacting the people that he cares about, no matter how he tries to hide it. But... Jacob gets really upset and says that Quill can't be next and that it's it should truly, be over now. Truly trying to convince himself. Yeah, he's like, it's he's like, Quill can't be next, like it's over. And he starts pounding his fists against a tree, uh, like a toddler throwing a temper tantrum. And then he does his best Edward Cullen impression and he breaks the tree in half. Although, in, unlike with Edward Cullen, Jacob looks surprised by it. Like he also <laughs> didn't know he could punch a tree in half. This is also a thin, smaller tree. It's not like a Edward Cullen ripping like a three hundred year old like oak out of the ground. It's but like but, but he does break a tree. But he does um, break a tree, which is just like can you imagine if you didn't know you could break a tree and then you punched <laughs> a tree and then it broke? Oh man! When you're, when you're um, already so, emotionally distressed. Yeah, and so this understandably is the point at which Jacob finally decides to walk away from this conversation. Um, and Bella's like. Are you breaking up with me? Uh, which, again, just confirms how fucked the boundaries in this friendship are because, like, Bella's... I don't even... We don't need to go there. Um, so Jacob says... He's like, no, it's not a breakup because at least if it was a breakup, I would say that we can still be friends and I can't even say that. And so he's confirming that they can't be friends anymore. And Bella's like, you promised you wouldn't leave me. I need you. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Which is genuinely pretty heartbreaking. I can Because um, she seems... God. No, I was just gonna say she seems really devastated. Yeah. Um, um but also, also this is what I wanted to come back to. Okay, well real because... quick before you get into it. I also just like that Jacob that Jacob in his head the default when you break up with someone is you is you like keeping friends with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah. 
Yeah, so, so this this moment it. really makes me wonder, um, as we often do on the podcast, about Bella's attachment style. Because having experienced a loss that affected her as profoundly as the breakup with Edward did, I really wonder if this has cemented Bella as showing up in relationships as codependent. Yes. Um, because some of the I most common that. signs... I've answered it. <laughs> um, some of the most common signs of codependency that we see are poor self-esteem, people-pleasing, incredibly porous boundaries, reactivity, poor communication, and low distress tolerance. And Bella has displayed every single one of these. Um, and it makes sense because she has had a relationship that was characterized by all of these things while she was with Edward. So she's grown to operate in the same way in her relationship with Jacob, which makes this loss even more devastating. Like her ability to be regulated, her comfort, her sense of self is really tied to Jacob's willingness to be around her regardless of what her feelings are. Which up until this point, Jacob had, well, even with this point, I would say Jacob had pretty, had been pretty aware of those things about Bella. And unlike yeah. Edward, who was willing to, willingly exploiting them, Jacob generally tries not to. I mean, he does at times, like with the kind of gross, I'm just going to hang around until you love me thing. But in general, he still like recognizes, he's like, Bella, like, think about yourself, like, care about yourself, like, you know, whatever. And it's like, you don't yeah. need to do things for my approval. And like, you don't need to be whatever. Like, and even now it's like, I know you get upset at these things. I'm not trying to like hurt you, but like, I need you to leave me the fuck alone. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I forget where I was going with that. But, uh, so Bella, though, self-centered as always, uh, has a moment where she thinks that this might not have anything to do with Sam and the Collins at all. And this might actually just be Jacob's way of trying to distance himself from a hopeless situation, i.e. the fact that she doesn't have feelings for him. Uh, a thing she starts to apologize for. Jesus Christ, Bella, go to therapy. She's like, I'm sorry I couldn't love you, but maybe if you stay, I will. Yeah. Which is also just Awful. really gross. Manipulative. Super manipulative. Super manipulative. Incredibly codependent. Um... And then Jacob, again, like I was just kind of saying before, who doesn't try to exploit these things from her, like generally doesn't, is like, no, like, it's not your fault. Like, you not wanting to be with me, like, sucked, but like, that's not, it's not about that. Like, this is not on you. Like, why would you think this? Um, And uh, he says that he's not good enough uh, to be her friend anymore and that he's not a good person. Which really hurt me. I didn't like reading him think that he's not a good person because of what happened. But also, like, wild, where have we heard that one before? Um, so Jacob leaves and Bella stands out. This part was so ridiculous, actually. Bella just stands out in the rain until, like, she's, like, so obstinate. I, I honestly respect this fucking bitch because I, all the time, I'm like, I'm not gonna text him until he texts me first. And I don't care. And then I fucking break it. I did that. All the time. Or, like, I'll be like, I'm just gonna be so angry. I'm just gonna lay on the floor until someone notices me. But then, like, three seconds later, I'm like, I, I gotta stop laying on the floor. Uh, but Bella's like, no, I wanna stay out of the fucking rain. And she does it. Until Billy finally comes out and tells her that Charlie called and he had told him that Bella's coming home right now. And then she's like, fine, I guess I can't stay in the rain anymore. <laughs> and so the whole drive home, Bella tries to convince herself that this is not as bad uh, presumably, she's like, it's not as bad, it's not as bad. Presumably not as bad as when Edward left her, which is sad for two reasons. Uh, well, probably more than that, but first because Bella seems to know that she can't survive the grief that comes with losing another significant, uh, relationship. 
Uh, but also something, it's upsetting to think that she thinks losing Jacob is not as bad when Jacob, flaws acknowledged, was the one between them that actually cared about her. Although I suppose I can accept the fact that this could also be considered not as bad because one, she's been through it before already and it's uh, going from like a low point to a low point. Like she's already feeling like shit. Now she's just feeling more like shit. Whereas before it was like a much greater scale difference between like the high point she was at and the low point she felt. Uh, and then also two because the previous one she lost like an entire world an entire new reality with the existence of vampires and everything whereas this one is the loss of like a friend and that's it uh but still it was tough to read that um so charlie's waiting for bella and she gets home and as we so often say uh charlie's level of concern for her just like really breaks my heart uh she tells him that sam won't let jacob be friends with her which is not true and gross of her to say um and is putting these brown boys directly in danger, which is fucked yep. up. Um, and she says it because that's what she wants to believe, because she's like, no, there's no way that's coming from Jacob. It has to be coming from that, like, dangerous brown man. Um, so Bella's, uh, yeah, so then Charlie's like, oh, is there anything, is there really something wrong with Sam? Like, do you really think that? Uh, and Bella says that she does, and then leaves to take a shower, because she's gross um and cold she was like standing out in the rain yeah she's cold as fuck um and as she gets out out as she gets out uh (laughs) she can hear charlie on the phone arguing with billy um yeah and so like she hears charlie defending her um which really just like makes my heart swell in this moment because what bella hears is bill is charlie telling billy not to blame this situation on bella And Charlie's like, Bella made it clear that she and Jacob were just friends, which seems to indicate that Billy's a belly, uh, (laughs) Billy is blaming their fight on the fact that Jacob has feelings that Bella didn't reciprocate. And Charlie's like, Bella was clear about what was going on. Um, And so Charlie's also like, um, if this sends Bella back into her depression, Jacob's going to have to answer to me, Um, which this is where it starts to get a little shady because he starts to flex his cop authority, uh, which I don't love. Um, and he's like, I'll be keeping an eye on the situation. And if any of those boys on the reservation step a toe out of line, like you can be sure that I'll know about it. Um, so some of my warm feelings for Charlie uh, are lost here because damn, can we stop fucking policing brown boys that are just minding their own supernatural business? Yeah, that was, I really hated this part. I was like, and cause we talked about it in the last episode because um, yeah, if you listened to our last episode, you may recognize this phone call as the jumping off point for a very special crossover. Um, if you have no idea what we're talking about, pause this episode, go back and listen to our bonus episode where you bleed. I will follow. Yeah. I'm very proud of that. But anyways though, so I talked about this then too, but this is because they literally took this verbatim. This whole part in the, when we read last week is actually just verbatim used in the fan fiction. So, um, but he's literally like, my daughter is upset. So I'm going to use my daughter's like white fragility as an excuse Mm -hmm. to over police brown bodies. That's literally what he does, and it is gross. And again, I think that oh, it people is he, not yeah. Per- yeah, it is not particularly characteristic of Charlie because again, he like cares about Jacob and also has been the one this whole time that was like Bella, mind your own business. It's fine, Sam yeah. is fine. Although like that's how quickly that's how quickly we fucking turn true. on people like true. white people. True. As we soon as fucking, as soon as a white girl gets her fucking we feelings fucking hurt. Turn on 
uh, people like that easily. Like, yep. that's just the history of fucking humanity. Whiteness and policing. Um, yeah, so that happens. Uh, and Bella's whatever. Bella feels how she feels about everything, and she goes to bed. Um, and she's sad, and she's crying, because, you know, that's how Bella operates. Um, so she has a nightmare that she's walking in the rain next to Jacob. Um, and then in the dream, Jacob like transforms into Edward and then he disappears. Um, so my best interpretation of this dream is that Bella's subconscious mind is just starting to aggregate all of these losses and trying to make some sense of them. Um, I really think um, that dreams are often our brain's subconscious way of trying to problem solve around things that are causing us distress, um, like in our waking lives, um, which certainly feels true for Bella most of the time. Um, And so Bella wakes up from this nightmare um, and she hears a high-pitched squealing noise outside of her window. And that is where the chapter ends. What could it be? I actually don't know what it is. Because it's, oh, di- it's directly outside her window. Like, at It's directly her outside her window. I read ahead slightly, so I know what it is. But I don't remember. I will save it uh, for the next episode. Y'all are just going to have to tune in to find out. Will you tell me about your favorite part of this oh. chapter? Yeah, okay. So it's not really a favorite part, but it's the part I said I was going to come back to earlier. Because it's just such a Bella Swan moment. Like, this is so indicative of her entire personality. So she goes, frust- so this is when um, Charlie is like, there's two more hikers missing and there's blood this time. Uh, Bella thinks, frustrated as his... Frustrated as his... Oh my god, I cannot talk. Okay, no, she's, she is frustrated as his words reminded me of the more urgent crisis at hand. The more urgent crisis at hand. Bitch was just told humans were missing and there is blood, uh, but her friend maybe falling in with a gang that helps protect youth from drugs is the more urgent crisis. Yeah, because that's the thing that directly impacts her, and only the things that directly impact Bella Swan are urgent. Obviously. It's so gross. Um, my favorite part of this chapter is when Bella is talking about, like, calling Charlie to tell him what's going on, um, and she's, like, trying to determine how much information to share with him, because she knows that she can't tell him everything, and she says, if I told him the truth, he'd have me locked up in a rubber room somewhere. And I just want to say that I think that I've done it. I found the Stephanie Meyer line that inspired Fifty Shades of Grey. Wait, is there piss play in Fifty Shades of Grey? Is there? I only ask because if it's a rubber room, I would think that that would imply piss play. Maybe. Who knows? Someone knows. Lots of people know. Someone, someone Thousands or millions of people know. I'm sure, you know, um, lots of moms probably know because lots of moms are Are moms reading piss play? I really hope not. Um, so that's that's what we're leaving you all with for this episode. Um, so sorry. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in yes. for another episode of uh, what I hope is your favorite podcast. Yeah, listen to our podcast all the time. Join our Patreon. Patreon.com yeah, slash STBC podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STBC podcast. There's a picture of Sahana's new dog, Juniper, yeah. on there. She's really good. Um, um, this week, she's... Oh, God. I was just going to talk about how good she is. She's asleep on the floor right now. Yeah, if you join our Patreon at $2 or more, uh, you can hear us talking about uh, Sahana's dog and also me reading friend fiction about Sahana and I. 
um, for like it's really good. 20 minutes. So it's worth it. Um, it's worth it. So we love you. Um, check out some of the other wonderful podcasts on the Orange Groves Network. We are so happy and privileged to be a part of this amazing network full of amazing people. Uh, so do them a favor and give them a listen. Um, join us on Discord do if you want to talk about the episode. We're, yeah, yeah, do yourself a favor. Um, yes, come we'll be on Discord, in the Discord talking about this episode. Um, let us know how you feel. Okay. Uh, about the podcast or just in general. Okay. That's all. Yeah. See you next time. Love, Love you. you. Bye. Bye.